0: And follow along as I read from Acts chapter 9. We continue on with the story of the life of Saul. We're going to come to an end for a little bit anyways in the life of Saul here. And then it switches gears for a bit and eventually we'll come back to Saul. But uh, for right now we're just going to look at what I'm calling the making of a messenger when you, When you come to faith in Christ, you don't get a sudden massive download, usually of information that makes you a fully equipped disciple In one sense, you could say it you become a Christ follower and an instant, the instantaneous work of the Spirit of God, but you become a disciple of his over a lifetime. And so there's certainly the, the the beginning point, but it's just the development, the making of the messenger, the making of a disciple. So we're calling this the making of a messenger because we're going to look at some of the things that were involved in terms of making uh, Saul the messenger that God had for him to be. We just get a little window into some of the stuff that's a part of the things uh, of his journey. I'm going to break into verse 20 of Acts chapter 9. Um, where we read, At once he began to preach in the synagogues in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his on, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join to the disciple to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem speaking boldly in the name of the Lord He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the... And that's the last you'll hear about Saul for a while. This is a little break that occurs. It's uh, uh, not even a tune in next week to see what's going on in the life, in life of Saul. There's just this break that occurs in the book of Acts. And we turn to some other uh, characters uh, in process as well. Process as well. It would seem to me that uh, Paul would, would be a real catch. Saul would be a real catch for 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 the cause of Christianity, because he 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 had been uh, one persecuting them, he was an opponent. Now he's now he's suddenly switched a bit, um, and he's uh, now supposedly on their side, and uh, he has a lot of educational background and qualifications, and certainly could be an, an apologist for the gospel. And uh, he would certainly be a good catch. But there's this reservation that occurs on the part of these Christ followers in relationship to Saul. We're going to look at that in a moment. But when, when Saul comes to faith in Christ, he has this Damascus Road experience. He comes to faith in Christ. But then there's the process of making him into the messenger. And there are some things that occur in this account that I think all fit to the making of the messenger. The First is, is this, that God provides a, here's a, the big word, Christ, Christocentric, a Christ-centered message for his messenger. In verses 20 and 22 that we read, it said, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Down in verse 22, it says, that he grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. There are two different terms or descriptions of the person of Christ. One, he's the son of God in terms of the message. uh, And the other is that he is the Messiah. We'll look a little bit at at them. Do You remember back in Acts chapter 9 and verse 5, when Paul falls to the ground, he hears this voice that says, Verse 4 says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he responds, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, who are you, Lord? This is the answer to who are you for Saul. He is Jesus, the son of God. Sometimes uh, we, we have a tendency to separate uh the Saviorhood of Christ with, from the Lordship of Christ. And when, when we begin to understand what this message is all about, we understand that he is both, not either or, but both Savior and Lord. Who are you, Lord? He is the Son of God. And that's where we begin with this Christ-centered message. Paul is transformed in an instant from persecutor to preacher. The change is astounding. It's almost like, how did this happen so quickly? You Remember in in the book of Romans chapter 10, there's a confessional piece that is stated there. It says that if you declare with your mouth, kairos kurios, Christos kurios, Jesus is Lord, is the language of the scripture. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a change that come that occurs in Saul's life, and he is changed because he makes that confession. Who are you, Lord? He is Jesus who is Lord. In the sequence of the history of the book of Acts here in this ninth chapter, it's probably best to try to understand it in terms of how all these pieces fit together by putting pulling some other verses uh from Galatians and fit and it kind of fit in a gap here. A little bit so for instance if you were going to try to figure out how all this fit with some other portions of scripture it would be good to put like a a little gap between or a little insert point between verse 21 and 22 so 21 says all those who heard him were astonished and asked here are the questions isn't this the guy that raised havoc isn't he come here to uh, to take person as the chief priest?" and then it if you could I'm going to give you some information that I think belongs right in between verse 21 and 22 that makes a little more sense in terms of the development of Saul along the way. So verse 23 begins, after many days have gone by. If if you could, I'd encourage you to just kind of put, after many days have gone by, between 21 and 22, it'll make a little bit more sense. And in that gap, in that time, there's an account that, Saul gives of this period of time. It comes from the book of Galatians chapter 1. Here's what that portion of scripture says. "But When God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia and later I returned to Damascus." So it's like there's this window that occurs where Paul talks in Galatians about his moving to uh, Arabia. And the only place that seems to fit is right here when that Galatian expression occurs. and the message that he gets is a God given message. It was not some from training, from religious instruction. He goes into a quiet place and receives the message about Christ from God and then returns to Damascus and then begins to proclaim that message in some powerful ways. So, he comes back to Damascus from Arabia, and he comes back. I, I I I believe he probably comes back, and I I could use these descriptive words. He comes back confident. He comes back knowledgeable. He comes back eager. He comes back able in the scriptures. He comes back increased more in strength. He confounds the Jews. He proves from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. There was this experience where he goes to the desert place. Now, in our educational process, we have, we have degrees that we put after people. You know, you can have um, uh, MDiv, Master of Divinity, for whatever that means. Sometimes there is an honorary degree that is given, and it's called a DD, Doctor of Divinity. It's an honorary degree, not an earned degree. But it's 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 a, it's given to someone. Saul had a D.D., but it was a it was a doctor of the desert. It was not a doctor of divinity. It was a doctor of the desert. God had to get him um, alone to be able to do the download into his heart and mind, in order that he might have that experience. And now, having received his degree from the Lord. He's called to go to Damascus, and the power that is upon him to try to connect with uh, people who need the Lord is is is, is quite evident and prominent. He's desc- describing verse twenty is Jesus is the Son of God, and he, he down in verse twenty two he proves that Jesus is the Christ. But but there was something else that needed to occur. I think for Saul he had all the he had all the skills of the intellectual smarts acumen whatever to be able to be an apologist to be able to confound people who who were who were looking for answers but their their own beliefs were being kind of shot with holes by him because there was some attitudinal stuff that had to occur as well. In one sense, he's very good at proving things, but he's winning battles and losing a war in the process. God has to do some things in his life to kind of help him learn some other virtues as well. He he thought he had all it took. But in spite of his devotion, his dedication, in spite of all his knowledge and skill, in spite of the efforts and zealous effort that he made, the Jews remain unresponsive. They're they're locked in stubborn, obstinate disbelief. Sometimes when people can come to when people come to faith in Christ, they think this is a piece of cake. I I get it. I get it. This is religious information. This is I'm I'm a pretty reasonably smart guy. Maybe I accused hundred and something or other, whatever, higher. I I, I can figure all this stuff out. But when you come to faith in Christ, there are some lessons that we need to learn. And I put it this way in terms of progression, uh, development in Christian maturity. Sometimes we come in and we say, this is easy. I got this figured out. Yeah, yeah Jesus died for my sin and, and, uh, and I have to serve him and, and that kind of thing. And you try to get on and go about and do that in your own strength and effort. And that leads us to another point where you suddenly come to the point where you realize this is difficult. This is difficult. This isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. I thought I just had to listen, uh, get all the rules right and just obey and live by the rules. But there's something else that's going on. Eventually, you come to the point where you say, this is impossible. I can't do this. And the sooner we can get from easy to impossible, it's going to be better for us in terms of that kind of thing. Because God has to, in one sense, God has to get Saul with all of his smarts and skills and ability out of the way. And so he takes him to a desert place. And he's not done with him yet because there's some other stuff that he's got to learn in the process. But at least Saul gets the message Jesus is the son of god Christ is the anointed one uh is Jesus and so he begins to teach and preach that message so that's that's the initial part but then in in the process of of, of the making of the disciple god provides something else and and this is kind of in that uh um I, I guess I would say it was kind of like if I were going to set it up with a theme song, I would set it up like dum dum da, dum 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 da dum dum dum. So you got to deal with how to get Saul from A to B, because everybody that gets after him is ready to kill him. That would be a wonderful problem to have, wouldn't it? You know, you just you know you get you know you're new in this faith, and people are wanting to, they're lining up to kill you. Saul's probably saying, what's going on here? And so God provides a rescue, a clandestine rescue. There, I would use that word. In verses 23 to 25. After many days, after Paul has been to Arabia, now comes back to Damascus. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch in the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Remember back, and it's easy, we might have missed this. We may not have spent quite as much time on it. In chapter 9, go back, look at back just a little bit to verse 16. Back up there and find it. It says this, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You might have blown right past that before with all the wonderful stuff that Saul came in terms of faith and, and he's going to carry the name of Christ before the Gentiles and the kings and the people of Israel but you might have missed that verse 16 I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name and that's part of Paul's Saul's I'm going to get those two big. Saul's journey here in process he's going to have to learn that there are some things indeed that he is going to have to suffer It's interesting in verse 25 it says where it says but his followers took him by night his followers to so Saul is already gathering around him some people who are really in in for him they they' they've got his back they're looking out for him. he's got a group of followers so he's bearing fruit even in terms of a relationship with the disciples around him. And he records this particular account in another portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. Here's how it sounds there. Paul says, it, at that point, Paul, here Saul says, just view them as interchangeable. We, I, I'm going to stumble all the way back and forth, keeping them all straight. But, but here he says in, first, in 2 second Corinthians, it says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. More information that we pick up here that isn't included in the book of Acts. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hand. So God orchestrates this clandestine rescue for the messenger. I don't know if that was if that's an accurate picture, you know, in terms of the being lowered. I don't know if it's a if it's a between the wall, if it's an opening in the wall, whatever it is. But he gets out. He is saved from that death threat and moves to a new chapter where he begins. Where he, goes down to Jerusalem, beginning verse 26. So God provides a message for him, a Christ-centered message. God provides a, a, a rescue for him in, in, as well. And then God provides, and this is a part I really, really, uh, I, I love this part best. God provides a courageous advocate for this messenger. So Saul goes from Damascus down to Jerusalem trying to be safe and grow and and become part of the movement. But he gets down there and he not only is being attempted to be killed by the opponents by the Jewish folks, but now he's receiving arms crossed relationship or reception from those Christ followers, the people that that should Seemingly embrace him are quite skeptical and they hold back, but In God's good grace, he provides an advocate for the messenger So when he comes to Jerusalem verse 26 says he tries to join the disciples and they were afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple but Barnabas Barnabas and you remember earlier on in Acts chapter 4 Barnabas was the one guy who kind of started a movement of generosity and had some land that was sold, or land that he sold, and he brought the proceeds and gave it to, laid it at the apostles' feet. We're told at the end of the fourth chapter, and then and then that's distributed according to help with with the needs in the congregation. We move right into the fifth chapter, which is Ananias and Sapphira, not the Ananias we looked at last week, but another Ananias and Sapphira, and. And and they go to church that day, and they get drug out by the end of the day. Um, Barnabas sets the good example. Uh, The son of encouragement is the little descriptor or translation of his name. And so he takes him and brings him to the apostles, and he tells them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord has spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. When you you compare this portion of Scripture to another portion of Scripture in the book of Acts, similar recounting, he says this, Acts 22, when I returned to Jerusalem, and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. He just adds a little more information about this whole business of, of how genuine this this, this experience was because he, he was a, an opponent. Now he is a proponent of this, of this group of the followers of the way. God provides an advocate. I thought of that this week in particular because we need to have surrounding us people that we can connect with and speak into each other's lives. We call that accountability. Uh, sometimes it look, takes the form of a, maybe of a prayer partner, or a, or a mentor, and uh, someone says that uh, someone put it this way: you know, you have you need someone you speak to as a as a peer. You need to have someone you speak to as one whom you are training. And you need to have someone you speak to in terms of to whom you are accountable or from whom you are learning. So you need directional a whole bunch of different directions in terms of that accountability. Barnabas was was one of those kind of guys. He was he he went to bat for people. I I wonder uh, how well we do in terms of going to bat for people. Are we willing to come alongside and help them in the difficult? such situation. A.W. Tozer has a statement. He says, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I think Saul had to be experiencing some of those hurts before God could really bless him uh, along the way. Alan Redpath, a famous uh, preacher from Moody uh, Church in Chicago, uh, uh, offered something similar. He says, when God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and crushes him. That's a good phrase. He takes, when God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and crushes him. Saul needed to learn some lessons in terms of humility, in terms of understanding who he is in the grand scheme of things, that it's not all about him. It's not all about him. It's rather someone who comes alongside and experiences the goodness of God. There's a a, a movie uh, that I've seen in the past, and the movie is called 42. And if you're a baseball player, you know what 42 is. 42 is the number of Jackie Robinson's jersey. And there will come a day uh, over the course of the ball season coming up where everybody <laughs> it gets terribly confusing, but everybody wears 42. You know, who's up the bat? 42. Who's on first? 42. You know, uh, just the whole kind of thing. Jackie Robinson was the first black uh, to play Major League Baseball. While breaking baseball's color barrier, he faced jeering crowds in every stadium. While playing one day in his home stadium in Brooklyn, he committed an error, and his own fans began to ridicule him. He stood at second base, humiliated, while the fans jeered. Then the shortstop, Pee Wee Reese, comes over and came over and stood next to him, and he put his arm around Jackie Robinson and faced the crowd. The fans grew quiet. Robinson later said that having his arm around his shoulder saved his career. Now, you can watch the movie 42. It does a little different story than that. But the point is that he had someone that went to bat for him who was an advocate for him. And by God's grace, be always looking around to see who are those people around you who you can be an advocate for. Put your arm around them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a 20th century martyr. And he once said, suffering is the badge of true discipleship. Suffering is the badge of true discipleship. In other words, we're not immune from problems. Saul understood that. (laughs) He was going through that. People after his hide. People refusing to let him get close. And he understood that suffering side of things. God provided a graciously an advocate for him. And then there's one final piece. And, and this is more to me it isn't so much about Saul as much as it is about God working in the whole situation. When you break into verse 28, it says, So Saul stayed with them and moved about. These are the disciples in Jerusalem moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea, sent him off to Tarsus. When the church, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace, was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Saul was not done yet, and God had to move him out of the way so he was not so much a lightning rod for the movement at the present time, but he still had some more things to learn. And God moves him uh, in process from Caesarea, and then they send him back home to Tarsus. That's where he grew up. Now, I, I don't know, sometimes... Going home is a hard place to go sometimes because they, they know you and they don't let you forget what you were or even what you may be. So probably wasn't an easy thing for Saul to do that, but that's what part of that doctor of the desert kind of experience is. It, it takes some time to develop and make you as a disciple. The church grows, and, and th- that's the final piece there. God produces a growing church. Despite his messenger, not because of Saul, but despite him, he's not done with Saul. He's got to—he's got to crush him, to use the Alan Redpath line. He's got to crush him a bit in the process. And there are two reasons why the church grows. Sometimes you think a country can grow because there's no war going on, no conflict, but here. They grew not because of the absence of conflict, but they grew for two other reasons. One is they lived in the fear of the Lord. They understood who they were. They understood who God was. And uh, I know the Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I know we we know the verses. And uh, the Scriptures, New Testament, say, it, it, Hebrews says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand Of a living God. The more we understand the holiness of God, there is that right reverential fear. And the language of it here is that they were living in the fear of the Lord. It wasn't that they were terrified to talk about his name, it's they understood the awe of God, at least in enough measure that it shook them in their boots. And they knew who they were, they knew whose they were. And also the scriptures say that they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. I like Barnabas as the son of encouragement. He's he's one of my heroes. I think the first sermon I ever preached was on Barnabas. There's something about that guy that just resonates with me. His willingness to be generous. His willingness to go to bat for somebody else. His willingness to, to come alongside a guy like Saul and 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 we're not done looking at all the other things that Barnabas does as we will get into him eventually a little bit more. But it's that encouragement by the Holy Spirit of God. When God, by his Holy Spirit himself, provides encouragement to us so that we keep on moving along. Um, uh, The language was used this morning uh, from Psalm 34. No, that's the bad reference, bad reference, bad reference. Uh, uh, I will lift up my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? It's not from the hill. It's from the Lord who makes the heaven and the earth. And our hope comes from him. He is the source of our encouragement. In his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer writes this. He says, in olden days, men of faith were said to walk in the fear of God however intimate their communion with God, however bold their prayers, at the base of their religious life was the conception of God as awesome and dreadful. This idea of God transcendent runs through the whole Bible and gives color and tone to the character of saints. The idea of God transcendent runs through the whole Bible. The concept of a God who is awesome and dreadful. That was one of the reasons why the church grew uh, I, I think there's probably a probably a connection between the place of prayer, personally, corporately, and this sense of the awe of God when we come in absolute dependence upon Him, and and without Him we can do nothing. The Scriptures say, and we keep thinking we can we can we can fix this thing, we can fix this city light. We'll just do this this and this. We'll we'll do a mission meal. We'll do a whatever. We'll do it, you know, and. And we need to get before God in prayer and allow him to so impact us with that sense of his awe and his presence that he transforms us, that he, that he gives us that doctor of the desert kind of thing experience where we encounter him and he builds that tone and character in us. The making of a messenger takes a lifetime. Uh, I've told you before there used to be a little button that I, and I've long ago lost it, I'm sure. It was done by the Institute and Basic Us Complex that has a bunch of letters on it. It says PBF with W W M Y T. But anyway, it simply stands for please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. So if you think you got it all figured out, if if you think you're this is easy. Hopefully, you'll get to the point where this is difficult. And then hopefully, we'll get to the point where this is impossible. Unless God works in us, unless he transforms us and crushes us, things may remain the same. But when we come to the place of lowness before God, then I think that's where things can begin to look up. There's always something new to learn or areas that God brings to us that we can drill deeper into in our lives, under His teaching, under His tutelage. The messenger always needs to remember that the important thing is the person who is sending him. Paul Saul gives gets this Christocentric message, seeing sent by the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ. As he needs the body of Christ to come alongside to encourage and instruct me. He needs to have the Barnabases of the world to be part of the process he needs to learn that Christ can grow his church in spite of you despite you n- n- not to spite you but in spite of you God 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 is in the business of building his church the gates of hell don't prevail against that church built by him and he can also use you as a part as a messenger of him so my prayer today is that he might fashion you to be the messenger he has called you to be. And and where he has planted you is different than he's planted other people in the congregation. Um, and whether it's active employment, whether it's community involvement, whatever it may be, maybe it's in family relationships, God has put you there. I, I don't get there. I I have a different world that I connect with. You have a different world you connect with family, circle of influence, all of that kind of thing. But God wants to use us, and he wants to take us, and he wants us to bring us to the end of Himself, our, of ourselves and crush us so that we realize that this is all about him. It's all about him, not about me. It's all about him. So uh, you're in this for the long haul, whether you know it or not. Uh, it may take a lifetime. May take a lifetime. You you may think you got it figured out, but I guarantee you there's more surprises God's got for you along the way. And in that serendipity of His surprise, He delights in loving on us uh, to make us what we need to be. So, next week, we're just going to look at a couple miracles. No big deal. You can move ahead and find out what's going coming next week, you just move to the next two characters, and now God shows up in some miraculous and mighty ways. Um, And I speak with my tongue in my cheek when we say, oh, just a couple of miracles. Uh, I believe God is still sufficient for us today and can do even the miraculous among us. Um, You might say, I don't know if City Light is going to live or not. And I want to tell you, That Jesus Christ is in the business of raising things from the dead. And he is the one that is going to be our only hope and our solution. Let's pause for prayer. Well, Father, we come this day with thankful hearts for the truth of your word. That uh, you can take a person and you can fashion them. You can make them into your messenger. Each one of these men and women here today are intended to be a herald of God. They may do it in different ways, but they're clearly intended to be messengers. And they have a message to convey about the person who gives them the message. And they're all in process. We all are in process. So in whatever you choose to do in our lives this week, Take us down so that in due season you can exalt things. Help us to learn that the way up in this journey begins with the path down before you. So use each one of these men and women in ways that will be of encouragement to those around them this week. We'll thank you for what you'll do, for we are your messengers. In the name of Jesus, the Christ, we pray. Amen.